welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hey! And today we're talking about Volume 9 of To Your Eternity. I don't know if I have anything to say before we get into the individual character <laughs> discussions. I Usually I find something a little bit to say, but do you have anything you want to say to kick things off, or...? I think this is really interesting lore, mind-blowing stuff that we got here. Oh, yes. I think I enjoy overall the story moments more in the previous volume. But in this volume, you get some big lore reveals and understanding Fushi and his powers so much more. And it's oh, yes. exciting to see. Mm-hmm. And you feel like the the overarching plot is actually taking some steps forward. We're understanding more of the goals of uh, some of the more mysterious figures. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to to, to get there in the discussion later on. But absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a lot of lore stuff, both for Fuji and for the Knockers. But yeah, very exciting. So let's start by talking about Fuji, as we usually do. After being weighed down for so long now over not being able to save a lot of the people around him, Fuji actually successfully... And very cleverly, dare I say, saved Bond's life in this book. Yeah. At the beginning, pretty much. He finally saved someone. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess technically, Bond died. Right. But, yeah, yeah, he did did save him. Right. And I I think it's fair to say he saved a lot of people. But maybe not somebody as close to him as Bond is you know not even being able to say goo goo and all them but yeah. um i think it's it's it was such a great little moment for fushi to hear that from from bone and just feel accomplished and and feel like he's grown so much right yeah precisely he's not as helpless as he thought he was or as he used to be or, and as he used to be exactly yeah thinking back to like volume one and two he was really just mm-hmm. a, a bystander uh, in those. Yeah. And then it's really moved on steadily from there up to this point where he is completely in control. Well, sort of, you know, he, he's doing all these mm-hmm. things himself and taking action and all that. It's, it's It's been an amazing journey so far, really has. Yeah. He also saved Itty, who, you know, the little girl he, he picks up. He yes. basically saved her from whatever thing was going on with that circus freak show type of uh, scenario exactly so it kind of saves a couple of people now it's not the same extent as bone because he just met itty but mm, mm. you know I, it just shows that he's still saving people exactly and getting into a little bit like I, I guess easing us into like the new powers and stuff we learn about his powers in this volume something that i don't think we had seen in any of the previous volumes that we got very early in this one was that Fuji can create lifeless bodies of people that aren't dead. I don't think we had ever seen him do that before. Create bodies of the people that aren't dead? Right. Hmm. And now that I think about it, yeah. Huh. Good point. I didn't I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Right. <laughs> You're right. That's interesting. So yeah, that that is that is interesting to I guess to know that that's a possibility from from here on mm-hmm. out. Uh, I don't know when Fuji himself realizes. Oh, actually, didn't he that crab that he has as one of his forms. Didn't he create a a lifeless husk of that before they boiled it? 
Actually, I, I'm maybe I, I should have looked this up. Before. I can't remember. Maybe that may, that that may have been the first instance of that happening, but obviously, uh, I guess it wasn't as clear as at least I thought it was in this volume where he made uh, Iris and the little boy in the cages early on, and then obviously mm-hmm. uh, Bond Jumbo. Bond as well, right? Yeah, I they just kind of gloss over it so mm. nonchalantly, like it's mm. not that big of a deal. Mm. That I didn't, I didn't really think about it, but even that crab, like, did we ever, did we, I don't remember, when was the moment that he first became the crab? I, I mean, he definitely didn't personally, he himself didn't become the crab until after they had eaten it, I'm sure, or I'm quite sure. But okay. I do think he made a lifeless replica of it before it was made for lunch, I think. Hmm. Uh, I, I could be wrong about this, but, but yeah. Okay. Um, just, just like a, a, a small little new power. Well, 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 I mean, maybe it's big, but uh, compared to what we learned later on in the volume, this is like a small little new power that we learned for Fushi in this volume. Gotcha. Or at least that I observed. <laughs> I love how Fushi uses uh, the wolf's name, Juan, to kind of lay low or like as a disguise name. Now, mm-hmm. since, since he's supposed to be dead, I think that's really nice. Uh because that really was his first name. Like that's the first name anyone called him by, ever. It's true. So I think that's I think that's really sweet. And it, it probably helps that it's not a person's name that he, that he grew emotionally attached to. You know. Oh yeah, that too. Like yeah, like using Reen's name or oh, yeah. Corona's name probably wouldn't sit right with him. Yeah, that would be a bit weird. <laughs> I, I guess speaking about that moment, uh, as he was as he was. Uh, having tea time with, with the ladies. Uh, Fushi kind of has a big mouth. Or he... At least he doesn't understand what, what things should be kept secret. Uh, at oh, least yeah. in terms of more lighthearted conversation. <laughs> yeah. We saw this in the previous volume with Toto and, and, um, and I guess revealing to Bone that he that she liked him. Mm. But... It, so so it, we see it again here that... yeah. It's, oh, where'd you save me that thing? Anyway, I, I don't know if that's going to come up again later on, but I don't know, I, I find it kind of endearing that <laughs> he he's he's gotten to the point where he's become so observant and aware that he, he can point these things out, but he still doesn't understand, like, maybe some social tendencies and <laughs> yeah. the right time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he spent 40 years completely isolated True. from everything. True. So I think, yeah, that, 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 that's a fair... Uh, yeah, he definitely gets a pass. <laughs> yeah, 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 he, he gets a pass, but I think it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right Like in saying that. <laughs> he defeated the knockers at the church, I think, pretty much completely by himself. Or at least, yeah, yeah it, it looked that way. Which I think was the first time he defeated like a knocker attack by himself since volume two. I think that was, that's the only other time that he's actually completely alone, been able to defeat a knocker or, or several uh, or whatever. We're, and we're not including the, the, the time he was by himself on the Island. Oh, not including that. Oh my God. How did I forget? Yeah, sure. Yeah, actually. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> uh, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess, I guess, I guess it's not that strange then seeing as, yeah. He definitely has a lot of experience from there. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I was I was following what you were putting what you were putting down what you're saying because <laughs> he's he hasn't really successfully stopped a knocker attack in a city or 
in a great right uh, populous place by himself. He usually had someone to help him true. in some capacity. True. That that, that that's a first completely because back in volume two that was just like in a forest with with no one really around. I mean, Purin was there, but but this is com- obviously a completely different scale. He lost a lot of vessels in the process, sadly, but he did ultimately defeat the knockers at right. a pretty big cost. Mm-hmm. And then he lost even more, or a couple more, uh, vessels when he battled in the, in the swamp. I think it was really smart of him to keep a catalog of all of his friends <laughs> yeah. that he's made along the way. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't help him remember them. Um, there's something more supernatural or something, I guess, about that, that he just can't remember it. But right. I think it's it's helpful for him to understand the people he's lost uh, and yeah can get them back yeah it's, it's worth a try you know like doing what he did right. with like the little well yeah the catalog with all his all his uh forms and memories his friends and it was really cute mm-hmm. like he had even drawn them like drawn pictures of them <laughs> like you could see march there it was really sweet <laughs> yeah um but yeah it is really sad that he after especially in this book when he lost so many of them at at once how he just didn't have any recollection of them like he didn't know who he who he didn't remember and like all that that's so sad i think yeah and about fushi's horse which mm-hmm. i th- we talked about what's it last volume that it, it was introduced the first time i think so mm-hmm. yeah do you have any speculations to continue on with for that <laughs> Speculations. Well, well I, I guess it's not even speculations. Declarations. <laughs> I was correct. <laughs> yeah, you were. Okay, you but, were. Le- but, let, but let me say it's. It wasn't that hard. I mean, no. to to be like, <laughs> oh hey, that you know, we know that Pjorn's going to come back into this somehow because of the beholder, mm-hmm. um, and then seeing the mole on the horse just kind of made me think it was Pjorn. Yeah. But uh, what I didn't expect. Well, two things. I didn't expect the horse to jump off a cliff and just kind of die. It looked like it died and then just heal itself. So mm-hmm. so th- those two things it was kind of shocked me. But interestingly enough, we speculated in in the, our discussion of, about Piora and way back when she died in volume six, mm. how would she come back? And, and the last thing we <laughs> mentioned was what if she comes back as a part of Fushi? Like, like not, not just a form but she she becomes like the same substance as fushi yes yeah you you had that speculation i thought that was really interesting because well i think back then you said like she would become come back as like some like an item out of the same material as fushi i think something like that yeah oh yeah i think it was something like that i Uh think but still like this is very close to that which i think i was very impressed by that honestly that was yeah it was very very uh interesting but obviously i didn't expected to be a horse <laughs> well fair fair at the at the time but actually speaking of that back in that volume volume six when uh-huh. you know perona passed away no not perona Pioran. Pioran. when mm-hmm. Pioran passed away Did i say perona earlier uh, i don't know but we know who we're talking i i, I don't think you I, I think you said the right oh, name. okay i think you said the right uh, gotcha. anyway <laughs> the, it's, it's just the, the, those p names i get them all yeah man <laughs> um and anyway um back in volume six uh, in that final chapter, I think um, it was. I, well, it wasn't too long before she passed away. 
In a conversation with Fushi about her past, she said, I used to work like a horse. Oh, I, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I considered pointing that out back when we talked about Volume 6, but ultimately I didn't because I felt uh -huh. like maybe that would have been too much of a giveaway, perhaps. Uh, but yeah. it, it's a really nice thing, you know, when you reread the volumes, because obviously I didn't notice that or pick up on that the first time I read it. But I thought that was really nice uh, when I read Volume 6, you know, the last time before we talked about it. <laughs> Wow, what a foreshadow. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't mean to go into like pure and full head on that, but I mean, it all it all involves Fushi anyway. Exactly, yeah. Like anything on the horse and pure in here, like we should talk about it here, I think. Um, gotcha. Definitely, definitely interesting to have another possibly immortal creature now. Yeah. Like he, I, the Beholder doesn't say right, like outright that she's, or that the horse is, immortal mm -hmm. but he does say at least that it does have outstanding kind of regenerative abilities yeah and whether or not it ages i don't know i, I mean we can't know i i guess my, my guess is probably that it will die from age eventually because oh, okay it's it's basically the same as fuji minus the transformation abilities right which should mean that oh oh good point because fushi fushi ages if he doesn't transform mm -hmm. so the horse should also age um well i guess and that actually gets into a thought that i had a while ago in that if fushi were to never transform he could technically die of old age i think so i yeah. think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then he would just come back as whatever exactly yeah um, it wouldn't be lethal probably but yeah yeah right right so, I, well, would that be the same case for Horse Bjorn? Ooh. Would she reach a certain age as a horse and die and then just come back? Fair point. Since That's, she is the same material. That is very possible. Because, yeah, because when Fuji originally left the snowy lands, he mm -hmm. died over and over and over again on his journey to the mountains. Right. But just kind of spontaneously you know regenerated came back so yeah mm -hmm. it's very possible that even that like it might work even that way from if you die from old age in in this with the system per, perhaps <laughs> and mm -hmm. if you and and maybe you then come back as like the the starter age <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, like <laughs> like the whatever age you are I, we don't know much about this horse was this horse born right and, or, yeah or, that's another thing or was it or was it created as it looks right now by the beholder I guess we don't know that mm -hmm. for sure. But but anyway, yeah, it, it's possible that it could live forever with Fuji. It's also a possibility that it might die and cease to exist eventually. Um, it remains to be seen. It would be interesting if Pioran, for, I don't know, if, if Pioran just came, kept coming back as a new Ooh. tool for Fuji in some way. Yeah. Like for reincarnation, similar to Hayase's reincarnation. Right. It just keeps keep coming back, just in different ways, though. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. I don't know what, what way, but... <laughs> right. Could be fun, though. Anything more on Pure and Order the Horse? It's really tangent, but I, or a small thing. I didn't expect the fish to be the the thing that awakens <laughs> Fushi's realization mm, that, yeah. that this is Pure. So it's kind of like, huh. <laughs> was the fish that big of a deal for her? But I look back. I, I think it was. Whenever they're on, whenever on their journey, they they eat fish. Yeah. Uh, at least towards the beginning. So I was like, oh, good. That's a that's a good callback that I I really didn't 
put mm. together until just thinking about it. So yeah. yeah, it wasn't what I expected. I, I, I really thought maybe the beholder would have to point it out, um, or Fushi would recognize it in a different way. But right, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good. It was very good. I guess moving on to one of the big, big reveals or big uh, improvements for Fushi, how he learns mm-hmm. to create things out of other things that he has created that are still attached to him in order to spread out further and in turn be able to sense knockers and other things from farther away. Really cool, really cool ability that makes a lot of sense. And also I love how it kind of also like gives further reason to the, the thing that we've talked about before, how like his clothes are attached to his body when he transforms into someone like, and like all, all of those sorts of things that have so, so sort of just been there for aesthetics so far, but now it all kind of serves a purpose. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I believe the volume kind of references that as the sensory cortex, or at least his ability to sense uh, everything that's attached to him in some way. Yeah, and it's really cool to see that kind of expansion. Mm-hmm. and revelation of his powers uh-huh. and show that in a lot of ways it's similar to how the beholder works and obviously we'll go in detail on beholder later but yes i i i think that there is so much more to fushi that we understand mm-hmm. now um yeah. this is just one one more step into completely understanding i, I guess absolutely yeah, like just thinking back to like the first volume, all we knew about him then was that he 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 was immortal and he could shapeshift. <laughs> Essentially, that like those were his powers then. Right. <laughs> and like and looking at him now like we 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 could have never imagined like all of the things he's doing now for like like back then he, we couldn't have imagined like he would be able to do all these sorts of things. And I'm just I'm and, and that just makes me wonder how many more things don't we know of still? that he might be able to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really, really interesting. And like, and what's cool also is that these things all make sense. Like when, whenever we learn about these new things, it all, it always makes sense. Source like in some way. Yeah. And it's, it's just so well, it's so well done. I, I love, I love how, how Oima writes this. Indeed. Anything more on this new power? At the very, very, very end of the volume, Bong comments that Fushi makes his own little planet. Uh, and I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's some, I think a nice foreshadowing and I'll go into that into, I guess, predictions right. and whatnot, but, yes. but I, I really like that because <laughs> it, it, I mean, he really, he really was creating his own kind of climate and not climate by biome, like yeah. his, his own uh-huh. little area. Uh, and they were all connected to him. Now, you notice that he picked up a cup and it was they still had like the fibers attached to it. That's a little different than how the the actual world world is. You know what I mean? You, well, you don't yeah. pick up an object and something is connected to it in that way. Mm. But I I think eventually it could get to that point where things are all connected, maybe through in, these invisible strings of some sort. Yeah, and like didn't didn't Bond say something like when he picked the cup up? Didn't he say like this is still fresh or something like that or am i making that up yeah yeah Um, no no he did say that right or like yeah it's still new he says fushi made it so that might indicate that 
those strings after Fuji creates stuff like that, those strings might disappear after some time has passed, perhaps. Okay. Like that's maybe something that he that that Bond knows because he has spent time with Fuji and seen Fuji create things in the past, uh, possibly. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. we'll, uh, I'm sure this will be clear soon enough. Sure. But yeah, yeah, very very cool stuff. I love where this is going. Yes, yeah, it's it's awesome, really really cool. Like the, the this final the final page of this book is like so mm -hmm. so cool. I can't can't wait to read on. <laughs> um. But the last thing I have on Fushi for this uh, discussion here is about the woman in the town, the woman that he, ah. he gave some money to, and she, mm -hmm. well, I mean, it, it became a misunderstanding ultimately, but her words to Fushi about controlling people really stuck with him after that. Like, he couldn't really stop thinking about it, and yeah, I'm just curious i guess to like how that is going to affect like if that's going to continue being a thing that is in his mind and like how and and, and if so how is it going to like what what effect is it, is it going to have sort of yeah i mean in in one way i can see where the lady is coming from yeah yeah not wanting to be looked down on or but but also you know you shouldn't try to control people or control people in the in 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 the sense of gaining their loyalty or just trying to save them. But at the same time, I, it just, it kind of bewilders me because it, it really, it really kind of messes Fushi's thinking. And I, I just, I just wonder what was the point of all that? What was the point of her bringing that up mm. other than, I guess, to create some conflict within Fushi, but conflict that I don't quite, understand like i understand why that would be issue to me it just makes it almost makes no sense that she would say that this lady hmm. uh, even though i said I, I understand where she's coming from right yeah yeah like it's like uh, surely she had like in the past she's probably had like men come up to her with money and like maybe expected something from her for giving her that money maybe perhaps maybe maybe she's had bad experiences in that regard and so she, mm -hmm. that that's why she has like why she reacts so strongly when when Fushi comes up to to give her that sack of money. Although, yeah. but yeah, like it, it's it's I guess it's complicated. Like obviously Fushi didn't mean anything by it. He didn't understand why she of would course. react that way. He only wanted to help out. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. At least at least he uh, you know he paid the fruit vendors and stuff in the in the town. Yeah. Uh, he didn't just. He's like, man, that's a bad habit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, although he still probably paid them with f money that he created out of his palms. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> uh, but hey, it's fine. <laughs> he's he's uh, out there, you know, doing his best to save the world. So he he's <laughs> he good. gets a pass. Yeah. That's his day. That's his job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anything more on Fushi? I I'm I'm done personally. A couple things, but one I just wanted to ex express again that I I'm I'm still not sure what the whole the whole point of that was and why he was so caught up in it um i i hope mm. i kind of hope we get a little more explanation into into his mindset with that absolutely i, I guess i guess it shows it shows or at least fushi thinks about the few times that he's been saved and that these people weren't trying to control him that way uh, clearly right but he still kind of has an issue with it so I don't know. It's 
I guess it, it's just a concept that is hard for me to wrap my mind around. Hmm. The only, the only other thing I have is more about the ship where he's doing his his training at. I yeah. guess is it, it's a massive ship. Like this thing is huge. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, like on the outside, it actually didn't look too big. Like I mean, it, it was a good size. But right. you go if you go inside, it's it's like these huge walls or like, <laughs> like, I was like, wow, it was incredible. This is the biggest ship that's been in this story since Gugu and Reen. <laughs> yes that was a setup for that entire joke nice uh, thank you for coming i i applaud you i applaud you <laughs> so that's, that a, that's a pretty big ship that was good <laughs> nice work <laughs> yeah but yeah it, it, it is a good ship it is a good ship <laughs> uh anything anything else on fuji that that's it cool cool then i want to actually move on to Itty next and all right i have a reason why there's one thing i want to kind of just get out of the way uh related to her okay it's about her name oh and obviously she got her name in the english translation from not being able to pronounce the word kitty correctly and it, oh. it became it, it became itty her original name did she say kochan or something like that it's echo after Neko, not you know she. Oh, s- similarly, okay. she gotcha. she she skips the the initial sound. Yeah, ne. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so it just becomes instead of Neko, it becomes Echo, and I sort of prefer to call her Echo. Uh, sure. I'm because all, for one, it's her like original name, and secondly, mm-hmm. I kind of think it sounds better. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't really like the itty name either, to be honest. Right. Right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so we're on the same page then. Uh, so. So yeah, and also the at least the physical books they 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 do use the word itty, and I mean I I, I understand why you know uh, even though I don't like it I I do understand why like there's definitely logic to it, but they also use Fushi's Japanese name Fushi like fu, Fushimi. Oh, in the know. physical. Yes, they don't call him Imo, which I've heard elsewhere in other translations. They call him Im- Imo. Yeah. Which I don't like either. <laughs> Although I do, th- I, yeah. I understand it makes sense. Yeah, Cr- Crunchyroll's uh, translation does that. Gotcha, gotcha. So at least at least Crunchyroll is consistent with using Imo and Itty, both of which being, well, translations. Meanwhile, the physical books are inconsistent in that way because they don't translate Fushi, but they do translate Itty into, or they do translate Echo into Itty. Um, so that is, it's just weird, I think. But anyway, uh, I, I suggest we call her Echo, <laughs> since we are calling Fushi Fushi. Sounds good with me. Cool. And honestly, Echo may make more sense with her character, kind of, just with the whole. I mean, okay, you, you look at Echo, and then you, you you also can think of the English word Echo. Right. Okay. And I think her see her people seem to be from a cave or or something, and may, maybe there was maybe echoes have it have something to do with the pot as well. Maybe there's like echoes of emotions that are in there. I, I don't hmm. know. It's probably a little bit of a stretch. But I mean, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, we we don't know. Maybe there will be a second meaning to it um, down the line. Uh, we don't know, but but yeah, that. That's kind of the thing I wanted to wanted to just get out of the way about her name there, and 
Well, I guess what we learn about her is that she and her brother, they were kidnapped and taken away from their home uh, mm -hmm. and used for some kind of freak show. Her brother sadly died, and mm -hmm. their people communicate with each other through this jar thing. Really interesting stuff. Oh, I was going to say pot. <laughs> a pot, pot. Yeah, I th actually, I think maybe the, the volume calls it a pot. Uh, but whatever, like jar, pot. Wrong kind of pot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So very interesting people, like, or at least from what we learn through yeah. through Echo. Like, it would be really interesting to see these people, like the full society of them, like would be really interesting, I think, because they're clearly supernatural to some extent, you know, communicating mm -hmm. through jars like this. Um, yes, and, weird. And, and it's not like the magic of it isn't solely in the jar itself. It's also in their biology or physiology somehow. Since mm -hmm. Fuji wasn't able to communicate with her through the jar until he took the shape of her brother. So, yeah, really, really interesting people. <laughs> Echo is kind of a curveball of a character mm -hmm. in this story. Yeah, you, you think, okay, this is the training arc, training montage time for, for, <laughs> for Fuji. Yeah. And then he picks up uh, what what's essentially a daughter of, of, of sorts. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe that relationship is not... It's not quite right, I think, but the, he kind of it has become a parental figure to her at, at this moment. Maybe, maybe sure. it's more like babysitting, but st <laughs> still, it's it's very interesting that at this point in the story, he just pick, ta picks up someone and, and now he's part of, part of his kind of yeah. entourage. Uh -huh. um, so I don't know. It's uh, I'm interested to see where Echo goes from here. Absolutely, I love I love her. I just gotta say I love her. Yeah, she's very she seems very sweet. I mean, she's so works so hard to she sees a leak. It's like oh, I gotta fix that leak. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh, it, this place is so leaky. Oh man, it's gonna take it's gonna take for hours yeah. hours to fix this place. She's running like to fetch buckets to like keep <laughs> so keep good. the water out. Like so cute, so cute. And I was I love how like when Fushi turned into the wolf like just to kind of be a little funny with her. Like she got so scared of the wolf. <laughs> But she oh. loved, but she loved Mir, like Reen's dog. She loved oh, that. Oh, she did. Puff so, dog moment. So cute. And she was like hugging the cat too. Like, oh, yeah. And the cat just didn't want to be hugged. <laughs> that was also really fun. Like, there were a lot of like really funny and cute little moments. And I think one of my favorite was the, the bathing scene. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> was also yeah. really cute and fun. It was very playful. Like, you know, she, she like literally grabs Fushi into the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's so playful. Uh, so nice. So good. How does one get that incredibly dirty? Like, So when I first saw her, I wondered if it was just what they look like. Like what if it was just their skin type or tone or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and then the bathing happens. Like, okay, well, she looks like incredibly white. Uh -huh. uh, so what's the deal? Right. And... I can't, obviously I can't say for sure because you look at a little bit of a flashback uh, once I think it's once Fushi transformed into her brother yeah you you see them in the in a like a I don't know if it's a cave or a forest but they look like they they they're they're muddy yeah so maybe that's just what their people did like they rolled around in mud or they just never bathed I, I, yeah I have no idea. Or could this just be part of the this circus society guy's act? 
where he just stole these children oh. and it's like okay we got to make we got to make a little pizzazzy roll around in this mud for a long time perfect <laughs> yeah. i don't know i'm it, my my initial thought was really just that it's um well sort of that their people just don't i guess they don't clean themselves like that's just not part of their like what they do i guess although i mean of course i i can't say for sure yeah very very mysterious uh culture which I, again i would love to see them like more up close and like to meet to, to for, maybe for fuji to meet those people at some point that would be so cool oh yeah i it'd be great and just to have a little more fantastical side i mean we we the fantasy has been there but yeah now we get like a people who could be purely uh fantastical and I, I like that right exactly moving on real quick to the jar the jar itself is is made almost like made with like wet clay or, or mud or something because her hands whenever she touches it are constantly yeah. muddy or dirty right um i wonder if that has any reasoning behind why they are covered in dirt like may, maybe they their people are just kind of one with the one with the earth and they ritually just smother smother the stuff in that so they can better communicate with each other that way i I don't know. Uh, I, and yeah, like they're the the according to the guy who kidnapped them. Uh-huh. Uh they're called well, Doki. He he oh, yeah. like uh, he says I captured a pair of the famous Doki, the legendary earthenware people. So the right, earthenware right. like they have earth in their name or at least according to this guy. So earth might be mm-hmm. like earth slash mud or you know dirt whatever might Right be important to their people somehow i have thoughts about that but i'll save that for later yes yes do you have any idea well hmm? so hard to ask you questions <laughs> uh, i mean go go for it the expressing the emotions through the pot is so bizarre to me i don't i don't know what to make of it yeah it's really cool like i, I love it because it's an idea that i don't feel most writers would come up with like it's just it feels mm. very out there kind of uh, yeah, and sort of and like very unpredictable. I, I I think it's very unique, and because of that, it's hard for me to wrap my mind wrap my mind around. Mm, I mm. I can't quite comprehend, but I I hope I I imagine going forward will more light will be shed on it, and I'm excited excited to see what the reasoning behind that could be. For sure, for sure, yeah, yeah. It's very very mystical. I I like it. I guess we're moving on then. Yeah. So let's talk about Bonchin. Or should I say Baron Spring Roll? Baron Spring Roll. He's no longer a bonbon. He's now a spring roll. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As we talked about last time, they're all like different things you eat. Siblings were sweets, right? Maybe? Uh, yeah, and like then... a cake and, uh, and, and like cocoa. Perhaps, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> at least. <laughs> uh, but the bone we know is dead, gone. Mm-hmm. See ya, bye bye. Yep, yep. And now we have kind of a new, changed bone. Absolutely, okay. he looks so great in his new haircut. Oh well, that too. I, I think his old style was pretty great. Not gonna <laughs> lie, uh, in his in his own way. Absolutely. But no, I think I think he looks very, very good, and um, I guess normal. Right, I mean, yeah, definitely more normal than before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 
what I thought was were something that caught me by surprise kind of uh, at the beginning of this volume for Bond was how he couldn't bring himself to speak ill of Fushi even though it was just a fool the church. Yeah, I loved it. Even then he he just had to say he was like that that he loved Fushi which led to his almost execution. So, I mean, I I think it's I found it kind of obvious that he's saying that to make himself look bad in the eyes of the church so that he can sacrifice himself for good as people. But I agree with you that it was also him defending Fushi and not basically not leaving him uh, or not or, or standing or standing by him. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he is very loyal to Fushi in a lot of ways, obviously, mm-hmm. as we as we have this as evidence for, but still he's not telling Fuji about about, you know, the ability to revive dead people. Even, like throughout this whole volume, he's still he's still keeping that a secret. Yeah. Although he seemed to have a, a good reason not to uh, at least mid mid volume ba- based on what Fushi told him, and I guess he felt it just wasn't the right time. Mm. I think before those could have been the right time. I mean, it, I, like I, I mean, I did mention in previous discussions that I was kind of antsy and anxious about that. Like, oh, how is that going to go down when he finds out? Mm-hmm. But I think it could have worked out for the good if if Fushi had found out. Now, I mean, maybe maybe it really doesn't matter. But perhaps perhaps Bone wisely decided to hold off on that. Because I I can't I can't see it being a, a selfish reason, you know. But Fushi said he would be happy if his if he you know if his friends could live with him as immortals. To- yeah, totally, it, and that was the answer he wanted to hear. Um, at least it's what Bone said, but yeah, I don't know. I it, it's not quite clear, and and maybe there's reasoning from, you know, the the spirits that are around Fushi. Maybe they have a say in all that because he, he does talk to somebody uh yeah before that whole journey thing begins so yes i don't know if that has a play in it all but yeah he he was very grateful i think we touched on it earlier when we talked about fushi he was very grateful to fushi for having saved him the way he did and he sort mm-hmm. of realized that being together with his family and with his friends is far more important than being a king yeah. So I think I mean that obviously that that that's a great kind of confirmation I guess on on his character development. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already we already pretty much knew it. We talked about it last time for the last volume about how his time right. in, in when when he was imprisoned definitely changed him. But here we definitely see it very clearly that it it has changed him very much for the better. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. It's it's refreshing to see a happy ending of sorts. Um, in this story, I I know his story is not over and there's more to do, but this kind of it, it almost feels like the, that was the the finale of that mini arc in this mm. greater arc. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was just really heartwarming to see. Right, exactly, and I think at the end of volume 7 it said that the uralis arc begins i think i i think i pointed that out when we talked about volume mm-hmm. 7 so that was the previous volume and this one 
But at the end of this volume, it says that the Renril arc begins. Ah, so the arc did it. Uh, I, guess, I guess so. I guess you could say it did. I mean, obviously, the story continues, but but I guess this is how at least Oima, um, or the publisher, or whoever, uh, has <laughs> divided the arcs. So the Renril arc supposedly begins with the next volume, and that's where we see Bond travel, or, or well, he, he, he talks to the princess of Renril <laughs> during this volume, and... You know, he's warning her about the knocker attack and she is kind of doubtful of him. Like she, she doesn't fully trust him, sadly. And some of those like panels from that scene were played sort of at the same time when Fushi was interacting with that woman on the streets who accused him of, you know, controlling her or controlling people. Yeah. And I thought, I thought the scene between... Bon and the Princess of Renriel in a way mirrored that because it was definitely like both mm-hmm. of those instances dealt with misunderstandings as well as as the other person sort of accusing the the person that we know in each of the respective scenes of well of, of, of trying to take control in, in some sense. So I thought that was just like... Or, or at the very least, ulterior motives. Mm, right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I, I thought that it was nicely mirrored in that regard. Yeah, I I noticed that as well, but I didn't know how... I didn't know how to put it together or what it was meaning. Maybe it was just yeah. uh, literally poetic. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't speak. Maybe it was just, just poetic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I think your explanation... Uh, makes it a lot clearer so i appreciate that mm-hmm. I, although i mean i still can't say exactly like if like if there is some deeper meaning to especially the interaction between fushi and that oh. woman you know that, that that's still a bit unclear as to like where that's going to lead but i do have hopes and expectations right. that it will have an effect somehow later on in the story i, I wasn't trying to say that what you said makes me think ah this that will have importance more, more so that that you also saw that there was mm. some sort of something being mirrored there right right and and it, you know explained the whole control thing so mm. I, I appreciate that but cool yeah uh, I think that just going back to uh, spring Baron spring roll here <laughs> yeah just all the way to the end of this volume you can see how much he's matured as a person um, and just his, I don't know, him finding fulfillment in life that he wouldn't have found potentially if he was king. Yeah. And, or, or at least understanding his, his new place in, in this world. And he's, he's really taken hold of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really ad- admire him for that. Has he continued growing for you as one of your favorite characters of this story? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh I would be lying if I said he was as interesting as he was in the previous volume. I think some of his flamboyancy <laughs> rubbing off it does make him a little less, a little, well, a little more normal. It does make him stand out as much. Fair. But I still think he's a very good guy and has a, a, a significant role to play that make, makes me more um, invested in his in his plot. So, uh, no, I, I won't say he, like, became... Or, or fell down the rankings at all, 
but I don't think he substantially grew for me. Fair, um, fair. But yeah, I, I think he's fantastic character, and I'm I'm glad that he's still alive. Awesome. Yes, of course. For of the course. time being. Yes. <laughs> I you you never know. You never. Know. Yeah, yeah. Never get attached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, or maybe it's just, I don't. I would, okay, I'll say it now. <laughs> I because of what you said, I had just thoughts, uh-huh. and this would be really terrible, and I hope it doesn't happen this way. It doesn't feel like the story would go this way, but. I, I, I got to put it out there. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that controlling was a kind of mirror thing. Yes. And the queen was obviously, or the princess, excuse me, mm. was obviously distrustful of him and his intentions. And I think, one, she has right to be that distrustful, but I also don't think Bone has those uh, desires. Right. Yet. Oh, Oh. what I'm saying is, what if there is some sort of corruption at some point? Yeah, so I I hope that doesn't happen. I I hope Bourne stays the good man that he is. Um, (laughs) But uh, that would would be interesting. But, But like I said in previous discussions about his brother, I can't even remember his name. Torta. Torta, mm-hmm. Torta. I, I think, I think, I think I said I did that last time as well, and I said I wouldn't forget, but I forgot. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I was, I was speculating like, what if Torta kind of had a betrayal? But I also said that that does that doesn't seem to be the story that yeah she would do, like not the not the plot twist that she would bring in. Um, and I think I, I would preface that this theory with that as well. It doesn't feel like a plot twist that would. It would be part of the story. Although I think it would be much more impactful if it did happen with Bone than it would have had it would have been with Torta. Absolutely. Yeah, and you never know. I feel like Oima pulls some unexpected uh moves sometimes. Like when you definitely when you don't expect it, you know. Um Yeah. Like I, from time to time, like some little things here and there. I mean she's I don't think it's necessarily predictable or uh, she never has twists, but the kind of twists aren't the ones where I will secretly betray you, kind of kind of a thing, you know. Or right, uh, <laughs> yeah, or or done in in malice usually. But maybe we just haven't gone to that point in the story yet. Fair, yeah. I mean, I guess Hisame was a little bit in that camp. I guess you could say because she kind of. she she was definitely you know. You could tell she was making an effort to not be Hayase, but she, you know, even though she had her, her fight within her, mm-hmm. but then she ended up killing Tonari. Well, that was more the knocker than, I... although she was okay. definitely willing to kill her though. That right. She was yeah, definitely yeah. willing to kill her because, yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, um, but, <laughs> but still, like, did you really trust the spawn of Hayase <laughs> only, you know, only two, you know, two generations removed? Well, to not <laughs> fair point. Come on, fair point. <laughs> anyway, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And let me just say again that the only reason why I just thought that about right now mm-hmm. is because of what you were saying about the parallel, ah. like the 
that's the only reason why I, I even thought about it. I see. So, I see. so it's a fresh theory. <laughs> you have yourself to blame. <laughs> it's a fresh theory Good. that I didn't get too much time to think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's what I like. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything more on Bond? I really like how supportive his family is with his new life. Like, yeah. You know, typically the like, a royal family or something would be appalled that... I feel like they would be appalled that the son would go that route or they would disown him or something like that. Uh, but they're just so supportive. Like his mom is like, yeah, I'm going to miss you, baby. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> this, is, this is what's going to happen. And I don't know, like it's, it's nice to see that it, hmm. so many stories are, you get these family members or just people that will quickly turn tail or, or turn against the people that they once loved yeah but not so much in this story i mean especially with these higher class people we saw that with reen's parents they seemed very supportive of her yeah as far as we did. know right for sure, um, for sure. I, I mean, obviously there was conflict but still mm. good and then see with the, these people I, I i just i just love this take it's yeah. such a, it's such a refreshing take absolutely i agree completely and i feel like bond's family like literally everyone in that family they're all oddballs <laughs> like yeah, they are they are <laughs> they really belong together so i'm like it makes a lot of sense that they you know they they would never stop loving each other they're they're just so so good literally every single one of them are just strange in a really charming way <laughs> yeah it's true hmm. i think that's all i have all right so let's talk about kahaku next my boy he i feel like kahaku is my is to me what bond is to you <laughs> uh sort of yeah no yeah i i totally get it and well i mean i understand where you're coming from <laughs> but i i still don't i still don't see the grand appeal <laughs> other than i feel bad for him in his situation i really do yeah like being kind of a instrument to a knocker i mean obviously he's doing his best to control it but I mean, at this point, the knocker is kind of taking control a bit. Right. I mean, he's um, not just an instrument to the knocker. He's also an instrument to High Ice's will as well. Like, so he has both of those. Um, he does. He does. That's, it was very clear than in the previous volume, I think. There was this whole scene where he just went crazy. Purely, I'd say, because of High Ice's will that is within him. So he has two things weighing him down. Two things that are, <laughs> in some sense, potentially controlling him. Although, not, I mean, to varying degrees and not, not constantly. <laughs> but, but they're still there, like kind of dormant, potentially. And, yeah. I, th I, I think the final thing I'll say on this, just, just so I think we could, I, I, you can understand my point of view, is right? that the knocker is not actually physically or mentally part of him, right? Well, not, like, not, not mentally, no. It, Right. It's it's in his arm and he's able to control it uh, and I guess extend his limbs in some way. Anyway, there's that. But Hayase's will is part of him. It, it, it is him. He is a reincarnation of her will. Yes. And they're not the same person. No. But he is the reincarnation of his will. He would not exist without Hayase's will, her, her um, phi. Like that, that they are the same phi. So I, I don't think it's 
fair to to him to at least in my opinion to say that that is a burden on him or or at the very least is not something he can control um well he he can't like it is something that restricts him or that that burdens him because he can't always like it 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 brings him out of control sometimes or at least at that one situation when we definitely saw it if he had been born like any other normal quote-unquote normal person without somebody else's phi like a, a previous phi i guess within him well i what i'm saying is he wouldn't have any like hayas or kahaku wouldn't have any other phi like kahaku is kahaku because of the phi he has Yes, but he is a special case because he he has the fight within him that some that used to be in somebody else before. Most people don't have that supposedly. Supposedly, yeah. Right. There could there could be some you know reincarnation or stuff like that. We right. don't even know how many fi there are. There's probably billions upon billions. Right, exactly. Upon but billions. I guess like just my my general thought about it at least obviously I don't know for sure. I can't say but Yeah. My general thought usually is that the people in this world, they're born with their own phi unless there is a specific situation, like as in with the uh, Hayase's descendants, where they somehow are able to pass that down. I, I agree with that. And I think that actually supports what I'm saying is that Hayase's phi and Kahaku's phi are one and the same. Yes. And so you can't have Kahaku without Hayase's phi. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm. I agree there. Absolutely. That that is the case. I'm just saying, because of his circumstances being the way they are, because of his five having been with somebody else prior to him, he's at a disadvantage in some in some sense compared to other people, because he he's he has this intense will to have a child with Fushi, which other people aren't inherently born with, but he was. True. Like. Not, not other people have are inherently born with that. You're right. So it, I, I, I'd say obviously, like yes, he is he completely with the fire and everything. I don't argue with, mm-hmm. with you on that. It's really just it, it, it does become a burden in 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 in, in a different sense uh, for him. I, I definitely think so. That's fair, and I definitely understand where you're coming from. And um, yeah, maybe as as we go forward, I'll think more more like you on that and i'm not saying i could disagree at all i i, right, I, right. I just i don't know i just i'm not a hundred percent agree anyway fair i mean completely fair uh but anyway kahaku helped uh, create the ultimate sleeping potion <laughs> in this book <laughs> i thought that was pretty pretty cool yeah he and fushi made like the yeah ultimate sleeping potion it made me think of danganronpa with like using the like ultimate oh, really? something <laughs> like because do you do that for like all of the students in Danganronpa are like the, the ultimate uh. something, ultimate baseball player, ultimate <laughs> fan fiction writer, ultimate blah, 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 whatever, you know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I thought that was that, that was obviously pretty cool. You know, he, he comes from a family, you know, with a history of that. So And he's now able to create like the best sleeping potion to have ever existed, supposedly. Uh, very cool. Incredible. <laughs> and, and he did that to help Fushi help bond which was also yeah. really nice to see him you know he's not just there for the sake of fushi he's really you know he he wants to help the world and bond is a very important person for the world right now at least the way kahaku sees it and just in general you know as we've seen in previous volumes he he really does a great job for the world killing knockers around 
the kingdoms and stuff like that. He really he, he's right. he's doing great, great deeds. Yeah, I think he's he's really taken the guardian aspect, and I think maybe even made him better. I I'm not exactly I can't yeah. say for sure what the previous reincarnations were doing other than mm. trying to sim for Fushi. Fair, but <laughs> that's fair. And maybe it was a a, a progressive change for the better but yeah. i think definitely kahaku is um trying to do good things like being righteous mm. in in that in that sense and I, I really appreciate him for that definitely he's taking the rejection hard man <laughs> yeah exactly i was just gonna get to that <laughs> he he is heartbroken as you said you know definitely feeling bad about that and as well as pretty much also right before this he had to disband the Guardians for at least a while mm. at the start of this book. So with the right. Guardians being disbanded and him feeling that heartbroken, he was in a bad place and he got pretty drunk in that... Wasted. That one scene. It's really sad to see him that way. And he, you know, he tried to kill that knocker in his arm because he's, I mean, rightfully upset with it. Uh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Life sucked for him that right there. Indeed. But he picks himself up. Exactly, exactly. He he did, and he reassembled in the the guardians, and and yeah, they do great work. There was that one little bit near the mm-hmm. end of the volume where Fushi asked the beholder what everyone else is up to, and and we could see like like a panel or so of Bon as well as uh, Kahaku like doing great things, like ha- helping to rebuild and stuff like that. So yeah. Really great, great stuff. Uh, and obviously, we'll talk about that uh, that knocker in his arm very soon. Right. Uh, but anything else on Kahaku specifically? So Fushi says, you enjoy the changes too. What did he mean by that? He was, he was telling Kahaku that, and Kahaku's like, oh, okay. And that, that kind of leads to his pick-me-up, like his you know, will to keep going. What what did he mean by that? Oh yeah, I re- I recognize that now that you say it. I sh- I feel like that was something I was going to think some more about, but then ultimately forgot about. <laughs> mm. Well, I'll save the trouble. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really thought about it, and I I my my one thought is Bone is enjoying the changes, or he's embracing the changes to his life. Right. Oh yeah. And because of that he's finding new fulfillment and i guess there have been changes to kahaku's life as well like the 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 guardians being disbanded and etc so maybe fushi was telling him to embrace the change and keep moving forward (laughs) right freedom tatakae sorry sorry yeah got carried away yeah i mean things are different now at least you know with his guardians, at that point, at least one thing, when when Fushi tells him that, things have changed for all of them pretty much. Mm. Fuji is presumably dead. Bon is presumably dead. Kahaku's guardians are disbanded. So things are just in general, well, things have changed. So I guess I guess it's just something Fuji is trying to say to cheer cheer him up. I guess as you were saying. Um, okay. Like. Things are different, but don't let that get you down, maybe. Something like that. Mm. 
Okay. Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any better ideas than you do. No, I, <laughs> I know. I think that's good. I honestly, I have no idea, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think that was good. Good to hear. For sure. For sure. All right. But then we, well, let's move on to the knockers then. Oof, yeah. Big reveal. Yes. So, well, not only has the knocker, at least the knocker in Kahaku's arm has learned human language and can now communicate yeah. through writing. Um, although I also got the feeling that maybe that's like, obviously there's still, even though we did learn a lot about the knockers in this book, I feel like there's still a lot uh, we don't know about them. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and I'm thinking, or at least the, the impression that I've gotten is that they, they maybe, they sort of share knowledge with each other through some sort of hive mind, per, per, maybe? Um, that's what I thought at first, like, as, as the story progressed, that's what I was thinking. But after this volume, I don't, is it really a hive mind? It almost seems like this knocker is acting on its own. Mm. And, and while it can communicate with the other ones, they, they do at the same time share their own thoughts and whatnot. Right. Yeah, I, I guess it could be a hive mind in, in the sense of they share information with each other. Or actually, mm-hmm. actually, I don't even know about that. Because if we are to trust the knocker in Kahaku's arm, well, basically, mm-hmm. what I was about to suggest was that maybe, maybe they share information, but they don't share uh, objectives or, or goals. Uh, what what hmm. was, was what I was about to suggest. But then I, then, I, then I remembered that the knocker in Kahaku's arm claims that it was tricked by the other knockers, you know, after it gave yeah. false information about the knocker where where uh, Fushi would be able to get back his other forms. Mm-hmm. So it claims that it was tricked by the other knockers, and it is also later on re- referred to uh, as a traitor to the other knockers. Yeah. Although those, that, like, all of that could be bluffs, you know. True. Absolutely True. could be. But... I guess especially for that last message, when when it seemed like the knocker in Kahaku's arm was giving a message from the other knockers, when it said you know that the knocker in Kahaku's arm was a traitor, and when it gave the mm-hmm. information about their attack at Ranreel, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in 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 a year, that it seemed like it was sort of channeling the information from other knockers, which would indicate that. Perhaps other knockers also know how to write. Like, all, they also know human language at that point. Oh, you think so? Maybe. Uh, at least if, if that message came from... Or, or I guess they could have just given, given that knocker the message and then it translated it for them. I guess that's also a possibility. That's my thinking is mm. they, they communi- they're they able to communicate with each other. Maybe not through words, but just maybe thoughts or whatever. Right. But this knocker is able to uh, express that through writing. That, that I think that's probably a fair assessment, and, and whether like yeah again like how much we can trust it is is up for debate. Because it could easily be bluffing, but it's also possible that it isn't. It would be awesome if it's not. You know, <laughs> if this actually right, is yeah. a, a knocker who's willing to, for some reason, help us out. Right. But 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 yeah. Anyway, going back to like the initial kind of reveals that the knockers starting giving us in this volume when when they took control of Kahaku's arm and started writing the first time we learned that their goal is to quote unquote save everyone uh by severing their five from their bodies aka mm-hmm. killing them 
And we also learn that the knockers themselves supposedly are controlled by Phi as well. Like by by previous humans, like humans who lived in the past are now mm-hmm. is that maybe like their souls are now controlling the knockers? Oh. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like because that's mm-hmm. that's all we know about Phi is that they well well they come from bodies or like or well they are together with bodies and when they die the fly lives on so could it be that all of the knockers are ex-humans maybe so hmm um <laughs> i'm debating on if i want to share this or not um oh? so Peter, I'll, I'll leave it to you if you want to keep this or not you can edit it out or what what have you uh-huh. and i don't i don't know if i've told you this Peter, but i think as i've read this story i I see a lot of similarities to my religion. A lot of similarities. I see. I, 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 if this is something, like, as long as this is something that you feel like keep like sharing, then I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind. Like if you, it, it's up to you. I'd say one hundred percent. So, I won't go into great detail, but in my in my religion, there was a premortal existence, mm-hmm. and in this existence, everyone was spirits, and I guess you can compare that to Phi. Uh, we were intelligences, right. and these phi. Uh, we'll just use phi to connect to connect them. Right. Um, we're we're given a choice to follow one side or the other. The one side being God, the other side being uh, the devil. And again, I'm simplifying this. Right. Um, the devil wanted everyone to experience life, but be forced to to choose a certain way. They had, there was no, no freedom of choice. And God's way was to give people their freedom of choice and to experience a body. Um, and so there was a war in heaven. And obviously, well, obviously, I mean, you know, as, as far as like uh, theology goes, the good side wins. And hmm. uh, we were able to have choice and whatnot. But these, the five that chose to side with the devil still exist as hmm. just five, as just spirits. And they are very much against the the people of the, the good people of getting getting bodies because one of the main objectives of coming to the earth is to gain a body and then eventually have a immortal body a body that does not die um eternal life um and because these five that sided with the devil cannot have that body they try to bring others down with them oh. and uh yeah, so they so basically they're they're trying to fight against this whole plan because if they had followed if if we had chosen the devil's plan, uh, there would be no pain, there would be no suffering. We would all choose good. We would all, you know, we would all come back and have a body. There would be no falling out. Hmm. So in that sense, uh, and, and there's there's a lot of other things that are uh, very eerily similar to my beliefs. Uh, well, my religion. Right. Uh, and, but, but this one in particular is just so eerily close that I, <laughs> I was like, what, how, like, it, did she like read up on, on this? Like the, <laughs> the, our beliefs? I, I doubt it, but. I mean, it's possible. I mean, you never know. It, it's possible. You, you never know. Uh, I have no idea what her religious, if, actually, I was so curious. I, I tried looking up if she had any sort of religious affiliation. Right. And no. I couldn't see any. I would say even if she doesn't, there's still a possibility that it's something that might have interested her. Like 
you don't necessarily have to believe in a religion to f be interested in it and want to maybe you know draw inspiration from it you know th there's that maybe she really maybe she really studied up on it because there's some deep deep doctrine stuff that is pulled up but but <laughs> I, I, either way it's uh it's fascinating to me and that and that's how I see the this story that's where my lens is coming from right now uh -huh. is that these five um, for some reason are against experiencing the pains and, and trials of the world. They feel like that's bad. And so that's that's why part of me doesn't think they have already experienced life. Right. Or humans that die. They're they're just five that exist in this plane, uh, this pre-mortal existence, mm. uh, but are against the idea of suffering on Earth. Uh, so they, they want to prevent that. Uh, that's my that's my thought process. I could be completely wrong. Right. I'll, I mean, dude, re regardless of whether you're wrong or not, I thought that was a really interesting. Like, I'm very happy for like that you shared that because that's definitely really really interesting. Like, obviously, nothing that I ever thought about. You know, is that is it was that okay for me to say that? I I don't know. Like, I think so. If if you're okay with it, I'm I am. Okay. I'm always worried about sharing my beliefs because I feel like people are gonna misjudge me or mistreat me. So it's, it's very hard for me to put myself out there like that. Hmm. So if you do have strong feelings against that, I totally understand. Um, not not you, Petter, but people right. listening. Yes, yes. I totally understand that. Um, feel free to express them to me, um, but please don't misjudge me because of that. Yes. That's that's all I'll say. But I to me, it, it, I guess it's just connecting what I what I know or not know, but what I what I believe, what I grew up with, and uh, connecting to this story. Um, and just seeing some of the some of the parallelisms. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think it's really interesting uh, to see like that these well, like the, 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 there's the possibility like this might have been something that Oima may have potentially pulled from. Uh, although at the same time, we will never know. At the same time, <laughs> it's it's also a possibility that it's just a coincidence. You know, it, right. it could be totally. Um, but if it is drawn from from there. Uh, then in that case, I am probably wrong about the, well, when I suggested that these knockers might have in the past been humans that died. Um, uh -huh. But then again, you know, we can't know for sure right. what, what, what the case is. So I, I could, I could also be right, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely interesting food for thought though. Absolutely. Very happy you shared that. It's interesting that they say they can't refuse those who make the flesh eternal. Um, it's almost as if this has been going on for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. and just real quick, another thing that part of my belief is they're eternal beings and there are worlds upon worlds upon worlds mm -hmm. of, of existence. And so, and this will tie it to the beholder later on, but I, I, I think th this implies that something like this has been going on for a long time and the Phi, these Phi are very much against it. Right. Uh, it, it almost applies there are multiple there there has to be a, other examples of eternal beings, right? If, right. If if they're against it. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously this is stuff that we've sort of speculated on since like volume 2 or so. <laughs> like mm -hmm, that the mm -hmm. the existence of other other eternal you know beings. Uh so yeah. definitely definitely could be. I mean, how how do they know that Fushi can create eternal bodies for the five? Exactly. Yeah, that was also really interesting. They 
started to sort of give some information. You know, they tried to correct uh, Kahaku and Kahaku. Mm-hmm. Well, he he said that they well that, that Fushi doesn't have that power. They they mm-hmm. started to sort of correct him, but obviously Bon interrupted him. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, it seemed since Bon scratched that out, it seemed like Bon was trying to prevent the the knockers from from revealing obviously that that Fushi is able to mm-hmm. revive dead people. But could there be even more to that? Especially since what Kahaku was mm. talking about right before that was the actual existence of eternal bodies. Could that have been what they were oh. saying that that Fushi can actually create? You know, uh, maybe Bon oh. was just jumping the gun a little too early on that. And what if this is yet another power that we don't know of that Fushi possesses? I, I think that could be really, really interesting. I I mean... I think I think you're onto something. That, <laughs> well, we'll talk about with the beholder. All right, all right. But yeah, like they they the the knockers definitely despise the beholder and Fushi especially because they are able to well, quote unquote create eternal bodies. Obviously the the beholder literally we've seen him literally do that by creating Fushi. And Fushi in a sense does it already by creating his own body. You know, he can like recreate it and stuff like that. So in that sense, Fushi does create an eternal body for himself. Uh, but we haven't seen him do it for others. But I do, th- I do still, as I said earlier, I think it is possible that maybe that's something he can do in the future. Mm-hmm. That creates separate other eternal bodies. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. The Beholder mentions that the the Phi, the Knockers, will only be happy if they you know succeed in killing all life or whatever. Yeah. Or killing all the bodies. Almost implying that certain sensations or feelings are not possible without a body. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me reading too much into it, but it because it, just be merely happy, and it, and he says I think he says because they don't have a body. Well, he he at least he does imply or he doesn't argue against the knockers' viewpoint. Uh, you know he 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 does he did say that they would probably still be happy even without a body. You said only be happy, like as if, as if if they had a body, they could experience more feelings. Um, Possibly, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it might just be some level of contentness, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. okay. maybe. I mean, I, I obviously I don't know. Yeah. But but actually, yeah. regarding that, Kahaku likened the Knockers' viewpoint with the anime legends. You know mm. about death will set us free. That's something that Hayase was telling March about back in Volume One. I mean, it's clearly inspired by, you know, paradise or heaven, in, in at least in Christian uh, beliefs, or at least the way it sounded back then when Hayase was talking about it. And But I thought it was interesting that Kahaku brought it back up now. And, like, yeah, like, death will set us free, like, almost as if it's something good. And and the Beholder, as I said, didn't really argue against that point, that spirits mm. can probably still be glad even without bodies. And so Fushi asks himself, or he kind of asked out loud, if we can obtain happiness by dying, then what are we living for? Mm. To which the knight at the church replied, to learn just that. Yeah, I love that quote. That was, I thought, interesting, definitely interesting to think about. And like, it seems, or well, obviously he, he... he explained himself afterward that that was something he just kind of 
oh, well, some, something that just kind of kind of came out of him, like a spur of the mm-hmm. moment thought that he responded with. But it does seem to imply that the meaning of life is to find out the meaning of life, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I don't think that's a bad answer to that question, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously it's a bit vague, but but I think it is thought provoking. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you could take it a few ways, but but going off what you said, I I think it, it is true that a meaning of life could be to find meaning in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And I think it goes along with uh, kind of the enjoying the moment and and. Ex- just living in the experiences that we have day yes. by day right yeah like like Pioran's view on life kind of yeah 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 a, co- a kind of quote i live by is uh life is meant to be enjoyed not just endured yes so oh yes <laughs> I, I i wholeheartedly believe that and sometimes i have to tell myself that i have moments in my life but that's something that uh helps me keep things in perspective that's awesome the knocker in Kahaku's arm seems to sort of be spreading more and more, more throughout his body, at least when he's using the knocker powers, as we saw at least mm-hmm. at one point in this volume. And and yeah. Fushi sort of took note of it. Like it was kind of, you could see kind of the veins or the roots or whatever of that knocker going all the way up to Kahaku's face. So that, that, that's a, that, that was a little bit worrisome. Yeah, a little uh, bit. It, it had gone down, like it had retracted or whatever later on so at least mm-hmm. it, it's not permanent but it, it's yeah it does make me worry about kahaku indeed i don't know yeah i don't know how long he's going to be able to control it. it it looked like he was controlling it so well and even fushi commented it commented commented mm. did hmm? yeah anyway. <laughs> uh he mentioned that it had gotten smaller the knocker yes uh, but I mean, I don't know if that's the case anymore. Maybe it's grown in size since then, and now it's just slowly taking taking control. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's exciting. And <laughs> and nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're just, oh, I love, I love Cocker so much. I do. Yes, suffer more. <laughs> uh, but I've said this before. I think I've said it even back like in in one of our kaguya sama discussions i tend to be drawn to to characters that suffer <laughs> mm. for some reason I, I i don't mind a bit of suffering here and there <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh i my, my my last little thing about the knockers here is the warning about the attack on Renriel in a year mm. it's the huge, the the biggest city in the kingdom or in the continent, one 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 of those continent. things, like continent, yeah, like a huge city at least for this day and age, and uh, yeah, like did do they really just give the warning for like the sense of like seeing it as a game, or do you think there might might be other reasons for them them warning uh, about this attack? Mm. I mean, I I think there. Are always going to have ulterior motives Mm. um and perhaps they feel as if uh they could use this messenger knocker to their advantage i don't i don't necessarily think they're going to attack somewhere different but maybe they they do want to uh toy with the feelings of everyone and yeah whatnot Uh, but it's hard to say i it i mean it's hard to trust the knocker to begin with the knocker in in, (laughs) 
uh, Kaku's hand. For sure, for sure. But, yeah, I, I have no idea what their motives could be. It remains to be seen. As a lot of things, especially related to the knockers. Right. Uh, I, I do love how even though we got so much new information on them, there's still so much we don't know. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things for me is where does this odd fleshy body or this this vessel come from that these knockers take they're supposed to be five but if they're five then when they when they inhabit these vessels it, it, like the knockers can't be like the knocker form can't be what the f- form of phi are right uh, no they like well without without a vessel from fushi that they've stolen all they can really control seemingly is vines and stuff right or like roots and things like that like oh so plant, okay plant so they so they're actually so it's actually like it's not but but hmm. Pioran and fushi both eat a knocker yes and it's it's like implied that the the things that these vessels aren't a plant or something you'd find and they're consistently the same type of material well yeah yeah like the the core of the knocker is that thing like i guess that's the knocker itself right. technically but they can so like what the, is that that that's mm. not that's not the phi like right oh yeah the phi inhabit it or control right. it or whatever yeah that is also interesting you see what i'm saying yeah yeah i do now yeah hmm so i just wonder I mean, maybe this is a, a material that exists somewhere in the world, or is there a ringleader that is somehow able to create these things uh, and hmm. let the let the fi inhabit them? Uh, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> obviously we can't say no, but that that's like the biggest mystery for me. Yeah, definitely interesting to think about. But is that it for the knockers? Yeah. Then let's talk a bit about the beholder. Uh, so the ability that Fushi learned in this volume about, you know, keeping, creating things out of the other things that he created and, you know, thus continuously spreading, mm-hmm. I feel, and you've probably, you probably had this thought too, could, could have been how the Beholder created this world. Um, yeah. Uh, going along with our theories from the previous volume discussion. Um, and if Fushi keeps this up and becomes better and better at doing this, he will probably eventually have, in a sense, remade this world, making it his, as Mm. they've talked about, sort of, uh, for this volume and a few volumes before this. Um, so that, it's possible that could have been what the Beholder went through many, many, many years prior. Totally. That's, uh, I, I messaged Petter and I was like, I think I have, well, I was on a run and I had just read the volume and I was, and I was actually listening to, I think volume six discussion. Mm. And as I was, as I was running, I, I, I had this epiphany about the beholder yeah. and I was like, I think I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I haven't, I don't have it all figured out, but here's, here's my thinking. Just like you, I think he potentially also had a, uh, a journey like Fushi where he learned all about all the powers and eventually learned how to create a world mm. and maybe it, he passed that is passing that along to Fushi mm. 
and I, I don't know if that's continuously new worlds each time, um, why that needs to be or, or what, maybe their duty is to give vessels for the Phi to come down and eventually experience life. But um, it's, I don't know, it, it's fascinating to think about and, again, is really, really close to what my religious uh, religion <laughs> believes. Ah. Uh, I, uh, that I'll, I'll end there. But um, what really got me thinking was the the freedom line from the previous volume uh, from the beholder mm. where bone asks what is what's in it for you like what's your reward or, or whatever and he replies freedom what if the freedom he mentions is not necessarily for fushi but for him the beholder he gains freedom huh. he's able to move on oh yeah it could maybe i i don't know uh because what maybe maybe fushi reaches a point of um, uh, omnipotency and the beholder passes on yeah. and then Fushi experiences the same thing maybe? Exactly. Yeah, right. That, that's what we talked about last time, kind of. And, and like, right. And like, but going along with what you were suggesting about the beholder referring to the freedom for himself, it could be that seeing as he has supposedly lived for an eternity already, mm-hmm. freedom for him might just be to cease to exist. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that could be... Yeah, there c- could, could definitely be something there. Thank you for humoring me. I, right. <laughs> that was just my big, whoa, thing. But, again, I don't... I can't exactly say that's where it's going. Right. Um, <laughs> of but course. As far as my understanding goes, hmm. that's where I feel like it. Still interesting, though. Definitely. Yeah. Do we have anything more on The Beholder? At the very least, he has the same ability, uh, you know, the sensory cortex as Fushi, hence why he's able to pinpoint where the where the uh, knockers are. Exactly. So he's really able to tell wh- a lot about what's happening around the world. Um, right. And that implies that Fushi will be able to one day, maybe. Exactly. That this this really even further kind of well, sort of confirmed that. Everything that the beholder can do, Fushi will one day be able to do too, mm. which is a really interesting, exciting thought. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, a few minor characters, like at least for this volume, that were that didn't have too much of a presence, but that was that I still would like to, I guess, at least touch on. Iris, she, she should become like a ninja or something, like scaling walls and infiltrating <laughs> a castle without anyone seeing, like. <laughs> assuming she was telling the truth which i think she was uh, oh yeah like yeah uh, mad skills <laughs> mad skills uh, that the whole interaction with bone was so awkward like it was it was i don't i don't blame uh bone per se because he's just coming to the realization that the person he thought was a man was actually this girl he had a crush on way back when mm-hmm. and yeah so and and obviously it's got to be a little awkward for Iris too. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been hiding my true uh, identity this whole time. Mm. Um, but I, I, I like how she went about it. It wasn't like this bubbly, heart-filled moment when they see each other. Like it takes time for Bone to get used to the fact, and he's like, I look. 
that's not the girl I imagined. <laughs> like you're you're some tomboy. Like that's not that's not what I was expecting. And uh, I, at the same time, I do think he went too far and um, hurt her feelings. But I'm glad he yeah. apologized. Right. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm mostly talking about Bowen here, but the the, <laughs> the thing is, is she didn't have a whole lot. But I I I hope that maybe down the line they'll get a little more time together mm-hmm. uh, and we can see some actual fireworks. No pun intended. Exactly. Actually, yes, pun intended. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, I mean, I don't know if it was foreshadowing, foreshadowing or not, but when they, they, they both sort of promised to take care of Chabby together. Mm-hmm. Chabo. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, and, and he made the remark, like, hey, that sounds kind of like we're a family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. The red flags. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Another red flag was when she, she says, uh, no matter how many years I'll be waiting for you or something like that. Mm. And I was like, mm, mm, that can go either way. <laughs> you know, Yep. It, it could be like she actually does wait that long and they live happily ever after or something terrible goes wrong. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, which way? Which way are we going, Oima? <laughs> you lead the way. Will, will she be the second Reen, <laughs> or will she die? <laughs> <laughs> right. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe I know, yeah. but anyway. Well, yeah, maybe you don't. Um, maybe you don't. Maybe I. Maybe uh, I don't. I'm. I'm just curious. What do you think about Iris so far? I think she's cool. I think. Uh, I mean, she, obviously, she's a minor character. Yeah. Comparatively. But I, I do definitely enjoy her for what she is. And something I thought was cool related to her and Bond this this volume, I guess it started a little bit in the previous one, but especially, or yeah, definitely especially in this one, is kind of how Iris was pretending to be somebody else until now. But now mm-hmm. she's actually open about who she is. Meanwhile, Bond has had the complete opposite switch, where he <laughs> is now pretending to be somebody else but he, before he he was completely himself, so I I, th- I thought that was a fun kind of opposite thing going on with, oh, the, with yeah. those two characters. <laughs> nice comparison. Mm. Yeah, I like it. But uh, but yeah, I, that, that's all I had on Iris. <laughs> yeah, but hey, the, the secret to weight loss is just not eating. Right. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Actually, at least for me, that that kind of has helped. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, okay, look. Starving yourself like that? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. That's not good. No, definitely. But not. you know, counting your calories, less eating, less. Hmm. Uh, then you burn is is the way to go. Don't you? Don't need all these fad diets. You don't need keto. You don't need all that. <laughs> Just eat less. Anyway, as, as, lo- as long as you keep it healthy, definitely keep that in mind too. You know. Yeah, I mean, you can't be eating French fries all the time. Yeah, and, Although, and, and but, but what I meant, I guess, is like don't eat so little that it's an unhealthy amount of. Oh, food. oh, like, yes, that, yes, that, yes. That's all I meant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yes, yes. I have one other minor character that I want to touch on. It's the one I mentioned briefly a little earlier. The knight at the church. Dude, I was thinking about them too. Yeah, he he seems like a really really solid and good and nice guy. Right, but and like the fact that he appeared at least on two in two scenes made me feel like okay, mm-hmm. could there be something more here? Like <laughs> we have no face and yeah, not, not really anything really, but he there just seems to be some kind of importance to this dude. So here's what I wrote down: I said probably a nobody, but would be nice to meet again. Yeah, like yes, <laughs> you know, 
you know, Oima, a lot of the background characters, she doesn't give a face to, especially if there's a sh- if they're a soldier. Mm. Like they don't have a face; they just have the helmet on, which probably helps with drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so usually you, you you see like a person with a helmet, it's like oh they they just they're a nobody. But there's something about this character that makes me wonder if we'll see them again. Yeah. I. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Crazy theory time. This is crazy. <laughs> All right. But what what if the sol- soldier was the princess? <laughs> like, oh, wouldn't that be crazy? The princess of Renriel? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what their voice. I don't know. Obviously, I can't hear what the voice was. But they, true. Well, yeah. I don't know. They hmm. didn't. They never. They never like gendered the person. You know what I mean? Fair. So completely fair. <laughs> I, I know that's it's way out there. But, <laughs> but I was just thinking, it's like, oh, could this be somebody? Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's nobody. At the very least, I hope we get him to return because his mm. his philosophy and mindset is just, just really nice to have. Yes, definitely. So, do you have any other character you'd like to talk about? Uh, I I want to bring up the princess of Renriel again. Yes, yes. Just yes. that we we don't see her face. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and the and the fact that the next arc is about Renriel, it, it almost feels like she could become a, a somewhat important character and that we will get to see mm. her face one day. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be surprising or if just like, oh, that's what she looks like kind right. of a thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's my prediction. I think we will see her. That's my prediction. Nice. Sweet prediction. I say that and now I'm going to be totally wrong. <laughs> hey, but hey, it's good. It's good. Uh, I guess so that's all for the characters moving on to the final bit with potential predictions as well as I guess uh, maybe if we have anything else for the volume that we want to touch on um, what do you got oh well my really my only prediction was about the princess but I, mm. I figured like oh that's a character so gotcha there cool cool I think that's all I got okay cool nice I guess the highlight for me with this volume was I think to see uh, the introduction of echo for me I thought you know, she, she was a character that I, I I've been waiting to you know to have her introduced into the story. So I was really happy to see her again, or well, to see her mm. <laughs> for the first time. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by her. I think for me it was the his power up, like the sentry cortex or whatever, and his yeah newfound ability to just create things. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Yeah. So great. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so many possibilities. Can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's as we said at the beginning of this the discussion, like. That that power, in addition to all the information we got about the knockers, like there's there was just so, so much we learned, yeah, so many new things about like the various mm-hmm. uh, supernatural things, really really interesting uh, stuff we got here. Indeed. So yeah, guess that's all for this week. If you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel Umami Manga on YouTube. If you liked this episode, please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time, where we'll talk about Volume 10. Bye-bye. See ya!